0: Hey everyone, Craig Baird here. Before I begin today's story, I want to take a moment and ask that you check me out on Patreon at www.patreon.com Canada CanadaEHX. There are several tiers with great benefits, from ad-free content to t-shirts and other cool stuff. And I have plenty of wonderful merch in my store, and the link is in my show notes. As well, if you're a fan of Canadian history, make sure you check out all of my shows, from John to Justin, Canadian History X... Canada, A Yearly Journey, and boxing and Cups, along with Canada's Great War. And don't forget, you can also donate directly to the show at www.canadaehx.com. Just click Donate. It helps keep this show going. Okay, on with the show. I'm Craig Baird, and this is From John to Justin. Before I get to the episode, I want to mention that in March, I'm hitting three years since I started podcasting full-time, and I want to do a Q&A episode, so I'll answer questions about Canadian history, about myself, just email craig at CanadaEHX.com. After talking about the first Premier of British Columbia, John McCreet, a man who never wanted the job, we move on to one of the most famous men to ever hold the post of Premier in the Pacific province, more to Cosmos. Amor de Cosmos was born William Alexander Smith in Nova Scotia to United Empire Loyalist Parents on August 20th, 1825. He was educated at King's College in Windsor and began to work as a clerk in Nova Scotia after graduating. During this time, he attended classes in grammar school run by future Prime Minister, Sir John Sparrow David Thompson. Smith then went to Dalhousie University where he joined the debating club and became the protege of Joseph Howe, a very prominent politician in the colony. After returning home, he began working as a clerk for the Charles Whitman Company. In 1845, when he was 20, he joined the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. In 1852, Smith decided to leave his home and move to New York City. He ended up settling in Keynesville in what is now Iowa, where he operated a gallery for two months. Then, the California gold rush caught his interest. With a group, he journeyed west towards California, wintering in Utah. He eventually went on alone and reached Placerville, California in June 1853. It was there where he opened a new studio and began to make a good living taking pictures of miners. Throughout his time in California, he had various businesses of varying success, and he was also joined by his brother, Charles Smith. In 1854, stating that he was a lover of the entire universe, he had his name officially changed to Amor de Cosmos, which means lover of universe or lover of the universe. He said that it paid tribute to... What I love most, love of order, beauty, the world, the universe. His critics later in life stated he changed his name to avoid legal proceedings due to shady business dealings. Likely it was because the mining camps were swimming with people who had the last name Smith and he wanted to set himself apart so he could get his mail. Charles moved to Fort Victoria in 1858 where he began to work as a contractor and builder. So De Cosmos went north to see what the area was like and after finding he liked it he wrapped up his affairs in California and moved to Vancouver Island. There was also a lot of opportunity in Victoria, the booming capital of the colony that was once a small village but was now a city thanks to the Fraser Gold Rush. And it was there that De Cosmos founded the Daily British Colonist which continues to operate to this day as the Victoria Times Colonist. It published its first issue on December 11th, 1858. In that first issue, he promoted a federation of the North American colonies. The mentorship he received from Joseph Howe led him to push for a responsible government in his newspaper in Victoria, and he stated the government should run according to the well-understood wishes of the people. De Cosmos believed in free speech, free assembly, representative institutions, and that to vote, a person needed to have ownership of property, For him, voters should pay taxes and be residents of the community. He remained the editor of the newspaper until 1863, and quickly emerged as a prominent opponent of the governor of British Columbia, Sir James Douglas. For De Cosmos, he did not like the conflict of interest within the governorship of Douglas, shown in the fact the elected assembly was made up of present and former members of the Hudson's Bay Company, and some were even related to Douglas. De Cosmos said, the magnitude of the questions at stake demand the election of men who are independent of the company in every way. De Cosmos criticized the power that the Hudson's Bay Company had in the colony and felt that Douglas and his associates controlled all aspects of what went on even after Douglas retired in eighteen sixty four De Cosmos attacked Douglas so harshly, including calling him a traitor, that eventually Douglas tried to suppress the newspaper by posting a twenty five hundred dollars bond on it. De Cosmos raised the money needed within two days from his subscribers. Within six months of starting the newspaper, it was publishing three times a week, and within a year, five days a week. In his newspaper, De Cosmos argued for unrestricted free enterprise, public education, an end to economic and political privileges, and the implementation of responsible government. He said in 1860. What we want are men who will take the helm and steer the ship of state boldly into the ocean of progress out of sight of the headlands of old fogeyism. Of course, his newspaper often got him into trouble. At one point, he was arrested for libeling the Speaker of the House and was escorted to the Assembly Hall to apologize in person. He wrote the next day, criticizing the government once more. On another occasion, he was beaten up in the street, arriving at work with a bloody face and torn clothes but once he sold the newspaper, he was now ready to focus on politics. De Cosmos was also one of the first British Columbians to advocate for the economic development of the three F's, farming, forestry, and fisheries. Almost as soon as he arrived in Victoria, De Cosmos started to invest in real estate as well. Eventually, his total holdings were about $118,000, although he owned at least three quarters of that in mortgages. He also invested in a sawmill, cattle farm, and quartz mine, De Cosmos ran in the January 7, 1860 House of Assembly election. Throughout the election campaign, he attacked his opponents heavily. And he received his own attacks as well, with George Carey stating that De Cosmos was nothing more than a Nova Scotian with a strange name who fled the United States to escape the law. In the final vote, De Cosmos finished third with 91 votes. He was furious, and he blamed black voters for not voting for him. He wrote in the newspaper, The colored people who controlled the election are not the only parties to blame. This began a long campaign of racism in his newspaper against black settlers, which I will touch more on later. Eventually, the black voters were disqualified, and winner G.T. Gordon was also disqualified as he wasn't a landowner and was guilty of embezzlement. He wound up in jail, but he was able to flee to the United States where he eventually died in the Civil War. But even with all that, DeCosmo still didn't have a seat in the legislature. In 1863, De Cosmos became a member of the Legislative Assembly of Vancouver Island, finally, remaining in that role until the union with the colony of British Columbia in 1866. Running for the legislature at that point was complicated by his name change, and he was forced to run as William Alexander Smith, commonly known as Amor De Cosmos. As a member of the legislature, De Cosmos was fiery and once hit another MLA over the head with his cane in anger. In 1866, he formed the Confederation League to raise public support for union with Canada. This league was formed due to the fear of annexation to the United States, the growing debt due to the huge population growth, and the need for government-funded services to support the population in the colony. Before long, it became popular enough to establish branches in New Westminster, Hope, Yale, and Lytton. On September 14, 1868, the League held its Yale Conference with 26 Confederation League delegates passing 37 resolutions, all of which outlined terms for joining the Dominion of Canada. De Cosmos remained a member of the new assembly and was a leading force in advocating for British Columbia to join Confederation. At the time, BC's governor was Frederick Seymour, who opposed United with Canada. It was felt by Seymour and his supporters that a union with Canada would threaten the privileged colonial status of British Columbia. There was also a growing desire by some, mostly American settlers who came during the gold rush, to join the United States. When the Americans bought Alaska from Russia in 1867, the possibility of British Columbia joining America was becoming more likely. But then Seymour died in 1869 and the anti-confederation winds died down. The Cosmos was not an ardent supporter of the British Empire. For him, he felt that a federal union involving the separation of Canada from England was the right path for the country, he said. I was born a British colonist, but do not wish to die a tadpole British colonist. I do not wish to die without having the rights, privileges, and immunities of the citizens of a nation. Even though he wanted British Columbia in Confederation, he wanted it on terms that were favorable to the province, he said in 1870. I would not object to a little revolution in British Columbia after Confederation if we were treated unfairly, for I am one of those who believe that political hatred is a test of the vitality of a state. By the time that British Columbia joined Confederation on July 20th, 1871, De Cosmos was the leading pro-Confederation figure in the entire province. The Vancouver World wrote that he was, The rallying cry of the predominant political party in British Columbia. It was also in 1871 that De Cosmos was elected to both the provincial legislature and House of Commons, something that was allowed at the time. As a politician, he was passed over to be the first Premier of the province due to his volatile nature that had many in the province seeing him as someone who would not make a good Premier. Despite that, in 1872 when Macrete resigned, De Cosmos was asked to form the new government as Premier. De Cosmos took on the job on December 23, 1872 and immediately filled his cabinet with reformers. While his time as premier was short, the men he had in his cabinet would dominate British Columbia politics for the next decade. With his commitment to responsible government, De Cosmos banned the lieutenant governor from sitting in on cabinet meetings to advise ministers. His government then pushed an agenda of political reform, public schools, and economic expansion. He also reduced the number of public officials, implemented a secret ballot, and, in a progressive move for the time, extended property rights to married women. Throughout his time as Premier, DeCosmos was often away from the legislature in London and Ottawa, though. But one of his main goals was to stimulate the economic growth of Victoria, and he was able to obtain federal funds for a dry dock on Vancouver Island. This dry dock would lead to the end of his Premiership due to issues related to the steel industry of the province. As the Premier, he saw a benefit to the province building up its steel industry thanks to the new iron deposit found on Texada Island using coal from Vancouver Island. He involved himself in the venture, which resulted in a conflict of interest as he was also premier at the time and could influence the profits and success of the company using his position. This resulted in the Texada scandal, and an inquiry was held. As part of the dry dock discussion, de Coswell stated that the money the government was going to spend to build the railroad through the mountains should actually be spent on the dock instead. This angered the public immensely, and on February 7th, 1874, a crowd of 800 stormed the legislative buildings, leaving De Cosmos hiding in a back room. This partly led to his resignation as Premier on February 9, 1874. He resigned as an MLA that same day. The scandal was one reason for this resignation, but Canada had also abolished the ability to serve as both an MLA and an MP, and De Cosmos wanted to remain as an MP. On February 9th, two days after he resigned, the opponents of De Cosmos presented him with charges that he extorted $150,000 from Sir John A. Macdonald and that he misused his office for personal financial gain. The Commission found him not guilty for conflict of interest after his resignation, though. Despite the fact that he had the accusations against him dropped, the aura of corruption would follow him, and his critics continued to call him a traitor to local interests. De Cosmos continued to serve in the House of Commons as an MP pushing for a railroad on Vancouver Island as part of the agreement to build a transcontinental railway in British Columbia. During the Pacific scandal, De Cosmos was highly pursued by both sides to help hold up the government. It was said that when he arrived in Ontario for parliamentary sessions, he was hugged by Liberal leader Edward Blake and J.D. Edgar, the Liberal Party whip, as soon as he stepped off the train. When he left Toronto for Ottawa, Senator Alexander Campbell was in the same train car as him, trying to convince him to back the Conservatives. The delay over the building of the railroad angered him so much that in 1879, he introduced an unsuccessful motion to have British Columbia separate from Canada. In 1880, the provincial government appointed De Cosmos as the special agent to Ottawa with the goal of persuading the government to build an island section of the CPR. When this failed, De Cosmos went to London to petition Queen Victoria. He came back to Canada in November 1881 without success. He also emerged as a leading opponent against land concessions to the First Nations of the province as he felt it hindered the economic growth of the province. He also actively contributed to anti-Chinese sentiment in the province. He called both the indigenous and Chinese inferior races. He considered the indigenous to be receiving preferential treatment from the government over the needs of the white settlers. He said that the indigenous should earn his living the same as a white man. In his newspaper he once wrote, All the Indian men today are a horde of thieves and cutthroats, and the women a community of prostitutes. He added that the land the indigenous were on would be better for, a race more enlightened, and by nature and habits better fitted to perform the task of converting what is now wilderness into productive fields and happy homes. He added at another point, fearing an indigenous uprising, he said, nothing short of lead or hemp will bring the lawless tribes to their senses. When Milflin Gibbs, a black Canadian, was elected to Victoria City Council in 1867, the Cosmos attempted to petition the governor to investigate the election and make poll books public, believing that Gibbs had been elected through corrupt means. The governor refused to do so. Unsuccessful in his attempts to have the election investigated, he turned to his newspaper where he called the black settlers Low-born, secretly branded, prejudiced race of aliens, The fraud was committed by a degraded race who are banded together, who can never amalgamate with us, ignorant of self government of British institutions, some of whose backs show the marks of the lash of slavery. After losing the 1882 election, De Cosmos retired to Victoria, where he would often give speeches thanks to his excellent speaking ability. Overall, his time in Parliament is seen as undistinguished. His last speech in Parliament was a challenge to England when he stated that Canada should have the right to negotiate its own trade treaties. And it was around this time that his well-known eccentric tendencies began to get worse. He never married, had few friends, and was prone to public outbursts of crying, along with a temper that led to many fistfights. His habit of drinking also began to increase in his later years. At the same time, he was still respected for his boundless energy and keen intellect, and it was said that he had the largest library in British Columbia. The Victoria Daily Times wrote, Not being a magnetic man, he had not many warm personal friends, but the few he did have, he retained to the last. He was said to walk with a frock coat, top hat, and a big-handed stick hung over the forearm and not used for any sort of locomotion. He also started to develop various phobias, including a fear of electricity. One person said of De Cosmos at this time, He remained in Victoria, wandering along city streets in his familiar garb, occasionally brawling with old opponents, sometimes incoherent in his public utterances. At one point, he made headlines when he fell on October 17, 1893 and broke his leg above the knee. By 1895, he was declared to be of unsound mind. Today, it is believed he had dementia. One very odd thing he did try to do was found a hot food delivery company to prospectors in the Klondike Gold Rush. The logistics and lack of available technology for this scared away many investors, and it never got off the ground. In late June 1897, though, he suffered a stroke that left him paralyzed, and on July 4, 1897, he died in Victoria. There is no major funeral for De Cosmos, like others such as James Douglas. Only a modest funeral, and few stood at his grave, bidding him farewell. Mount De Cosmos on Vancouver Island is named for him, as is Amore De Cosmos Creek near Campbell River. I hope you enjoyed that episode and our look at Amor De Cosmos. Information from Canadian Encyclopedia, Biography, Williams Lake Tribune, British Columbia, An Untold History, Wikipedia, On the Cusp of Contact, The National Dream, Go Do Some Great Thing, Langley Advance, Vancouver Sun, Victoria Daily Times, Victoria Times Colonist. If this is your first time listening and you like what you heard, please take a moment and give us a five-star review to help other people find these amazing stories. And there are so many you can sink your teeth into. We also love hearing from you, so if you have a show topic you want me to cover, email me at craig at canadaehx.com or stop by my website and social media. I'll include all of those links in the show notes.